Greetings, building science enthusiasts, and welcome back to our podcast. This episode is brought to you by our dear friends and colleagues over at Risinger Homes. They're an Austin-based, full-service luxury home builder and remodeler, and we've worked with them on many occasions. And Risinger Homes really is a different kind of firm. First, they're focused on building science, which we think is incredibly important. And I encourage you to check out the YouTube channel of their owner, Matt Reisinger. It's at youtube.com backslash user backslash Matt Reisinger. Be sure to subscribe. And secondly, we've seen time and time again how much architects really appreciate the seamless experience of working with a builder who has an in-house architect slash builder. Reisinger Homes has exactly that person. His name's Eric Rouser. So architects, call Risinger Homes early in the design phase of your projects so we can team up with you and your client to build a great home. Welcome to the Building Science Podcast. Welcome to the Building Science Podcast. Bringing the human factor to construction, design, and architecture. Brought to you by Positive Energy in Austin, Texas. All right. Hello and welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the Building Science Podcast. I'm Christoph Irwin. And I'm Michael Walker. And we are happy to have you back. Thanks for listening. Very happy. As always. Okay, so today's episode is on indoor environmental quality, or IEQ. And if that's not something you've heard about before, over the next few minutes, you'll know a lot more about it. Okay, so the goal of today's episode is to provide both an introduction and a framework for relating to IEQ in our lives, or indoor environmental quality. I'm going to just start using IEQ. So IEQ stands for Indoor Environmental Quality. Write it down. Remember it. Write that down. There are six core areas of IEQ, and we're going to be discussing and defining each of them today briefly. Like I said, this is the introduction and the framework. And within each area, there's going to be myriad subtopics, and we're going to follow as many of those paths toward understanding as we can in in upcoming episodes. Um, The upcoming episodes may be uh, not in the same order that we're introducing the core areas today, and there may be several in one core area and only one or a handful in another core area. It just depends uh, on who we find to interview and how we put these out in the coming months. But we will introduce, we will uh, state IEQ series on our podcast feed, so you'll be able to tell if you want to just follow right along through the IEQ series. And this stuff can get pretty deep, so we'll make sure that we qualify everything that we think you might need to know in a digestible way, because for us, we can dive in and spend hours reading (laughs) through stuff that probably seems pretty boring to most people, but you guys are listening to this because you want to expand your knowledge of building science, so we'll do our best to make sure that that's happening. Absolutely. So this topic of IEQ is central to what we're about here at Positive Energy and the Building Science Podcast, and that is education and advocacy in pursuit of a goal. The goal is, there's lots of ways to describe it, but what we're thinking right now is human-factored building design. And what we mean by that is we want the built environment, we want our homes and buildings, that those places where we spend the vast majority of our time while we're alive, we want those spaces to truly support us. Physically, mentally, emotionally, personally, um, and in community and in society and as part of the overall web of resource use in our planet. We, we all have a role there. So we as a society, as a global society, the big we, we have the technology, we have the knowledge, we have the skills, um, and know how to build buildings properly. And it seems sort of nutty to me at times that we really you know, obviously appreciate 
um, highly engineered and functional technology in our pockets, and we appreciate it behind our steering wheels. We appreciate it in our power grid. But when it comes to the indoor environment, the place where we actually spend, you know, you know according to the EPA, 93% of our time, and we've broken that down before, but let's say you're 70 years old, roughly 50%, 50 of those years you're going to have spent not just indoors but in your home. Right, so that's a big deal. And roughly 35 of those years, maybe 30, 35 of those years in your bedroom. So if you want to think about one good place to make the environmental quality or the air quality good, think about your sleep zone. So yeah, it does seem crazy that we, we're so into our gadgets and cars, but our houses are allowed to be this laggard technology but in our society. But the moment Pokemon Go shuts down, there's a riot. <laughs> Yeah, we were at the park yesterday. It was like zombie apocalypse. People <laughs> wandering around looking for... No offense to any Pokemon, Pokemon Go lovers. Yeah. Uh-huh. And if my daughter's listening, it's okay. Just don't play too much. All right. Um, in fact, getting personal, I want something glad to be reminded here. So on a, on a mildly somber note, I want to dedicate today's show to my lovely lady Labrador, Lucy. I should say our... She passed away on Wednesday night. Um, She was old, but it was still unexpected. She had a couple of seizures and was gone by morning. And um, all she wanted to do was love, love up and love unconditionally. And having her gone, it leaves like an elemental void in our family's life in the way that um, sunshine would be elemental. You guys got to hear Lucy on the podcast a couple of times, shaking her collar in the background. And yeah. She was always here listening to us record. Yeah, one listener told me that he was riding his bike, and when Lucy barked, he freaked out like, <laughs> where's the dog? <laughs> yeah, okay, so let's get into it. Let's get back into it. As you heard in the intro, like the theme music, right? This is the Building Science Podcast, and we focus on bringing the human factor to design, architecture, and engineering. So starting with building science, right? What is building science, right? What is it about? Building science is about (laughs) lots of different things, but I'm going to say it's about buildings, people, and systems, right? One way to look at it, this framework to look at it for me that really works is to to think about like building science 1.0, classic building science, right? Classic rock. This would be about buildings sitting in their ambient environmental conditions, right? They're dealing with Uh, damage functions like water, you know, water, liquid water, vapor water, UV, they got loads, wind loads, structural loads, and all sorts of impacts and consequences are happening there, right? So that's Building Science 1.0. Building Science 2.0 could be said to be about people, right? It's about the quality of these indoor and outdoor environments we build for ourselves to be in, right? And Building Science 3.0 is about systems, But so is 1.0 and 3.0. Like, obviously, systems thinking is needed in all of these. Building Science 1.0, the building is seen as an interconnected system of systems with the driving functions created by weather and thermodynamics. And in 2.0, we got the human body in there. That itself is obviously a system of systems, and it's interacting with the building in a complex way. So it's a system of systems interacting with a system of systems. (laughs) Yeah, systems theory is needed. Right, look around you. You're in some space right now, unless you're riding your bike outdoors, and then you're still in our atmosphere. You're physically and sensorily immersed in the environment, right? And if it's a built environment, you're physically and sensorily immersed in in an environment that someone um, created. Someone was had their finger on the knob of design decisions and they could turn it up or down, you know, the quality knob. Getting back to building science uh, 3.0 about systems, what I mean by that is 
the whole series of stakeholders involved in design and construction of a building and testing of a building. That is an interconnected system of systems, right? Just think about it. All the myriad various um, value preference systems that are interacting and knowledge bases and perspectives, that is a system of systems that needs to be optimized. And in my opinion, that Building Science 3.0, another way to look at that is integrated project delivery. That would probably be more than the architectural version of Building Science 3.0. That's huge. But what's interesting is the indoor environmental quality is affected by all of these systems, right? We need a good enclosure to create a good indoor environment. And the indoor environment is richly impacting our bodies and this decision of the stakeholders, primarily owners, you owners out there, sit up straight and listen. This is a very important topic. You owners are, are very much driving what we do with our built environment. And IEQ is central to all of it. All right, so when it comes to building science and built environments, you know, there's this one more little important feature here is to know that it's not really about what we need to do to make good, fantastic indoor environmental spaces, right? It's not what to do. It's whether to do it, why to do it, and when to do it, right? And it may sound absurd to say that first cost and visuals are prime drivers instead of health and comfort and well-being, but, but that's true. It's not unrealistic. So the way we deliver conditioned space to ourselves as a society is flawed and it's poised to improve in ways that matter, right? These are these ways could be comfort, health, durability, energy use, right? So we here at Positive Energy, along with uh, our brethren of amazing geniuses and visionaries in the industry, most of whom right now are in Westford, Massachusetts. Hello, Joe, Betsy, John, you know, Mark, Andy, Lou, all you guys, Kimberly. So what we're doing is we're recognizing that this could be the time now, this point in society where we're going to both support project teams on the ground and educate and advocate for what's possible, right? This is a really exciting time. Just like Uber and Lyft have switched right, the transportation paradigm from I need a car to I need a transportation service, right? What if now is the time where the housing paradigm or the built space paradigm says, look, homes can be accurately seen as something like a lifestyle and logistics support service. You have a body, you have stuff, you have goals for what you do with your body and your stuff, and you don't need a white picket fence in a single family home, right? Manufactured home is a technology is coming. It's a good idea. It's already but, starting to proliferate in a lot oh, of yeah. places. It's really interesting. Yeah, 3D printed homes. Yeah. It's, it's huge. Yeah. So the iPhone of homes, the Tesla of homes, you know, this, it's a good idea. And, uh, but I can feel that this is a topic for another day. And this is one of those topics that the more you learn, frankly, the more frustrated you might feel. I know that's what's happened for me in the sense that, like, well, why is it that first cost is more important than my kid's health? Right? It just, you know, and let's not trivialize that, right? Let's not trivialize that. Let's think about it for a minute here. The emotional, logistical, and financial burdens of... The way we build are real, and they're a big deal. Right? Think about the millions of cases, large and small, where unnecessary pain of non-human factor designs. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't want to go too much farther here, but you get what I'm saying, right? The way we eat has shifted tremendously. Let's hope that the way we deliver houses and buildings to ourselves is about to shift. One of my good friends and a wise man, Robert Bean, mixed with my love of the Tao Te Ching, possibly, uh, helped form this phrase, design around people and a good building will follow. Design around people, a good building will follow, right? So let's talk about design around people. We, you and me, Michael, 
we are sensory machines immersed in the environment we create, right? So that's, there's more to say and we'll say it soon. A good building will follow. I think um, the key word in there is good. What is good, right? There's obviously many dimensions of good and we've talked about them. Healthy, safe, comfortable, durable, energy and resource efficient. We need to know that the reason we as individuals in a project team and we as a society are building these buildings is not just for profit, right? It's also for ourselves. It's for our family, for our, cult our culture, our country, right? Um, I'm not saying we shouldn't use cost as a metric. It's a big deal. Good engineers can balance lots of interlocking factors, including cost. I am saying that we need to factor in cost costs properly, right? And we need to look at upstream and downstream costs when we do that. You know, we need to make the math reasonable. One way of relating to indoor environmental quality and buildings generally is to think about cars, right? We talked about technology and cars a minute ago. And my friend Corbett Lunsford has a great video about what if we built cars the way we build houses, right? Well, first of all, they'd be mostly built outdoors. Each one would be different. We'd never test drive them, right? People would mainly be interested in the color of the paint and the upholstery, right? So if cars were engineered for nothing other than low first cost and visual aesthetics, they'd, they'd probably look great in our driveway, but then they wouldn't fulfill the promise when you drove them. And they'd be uncomfortable and clunkers. And uh, we would not be okay with that. Oh, by the way, they'd be unhealthy to be in, right? But somehow we're okay with that, generally speaking, with our buildings. Now we're going to get into IEQ a little more formally here. So as far as the history of IEQ, uh, it's, it's an evolving field, like everything, and I'm certain that... The experience of IEQ started with the creation of indoor space. This is a subject that's taught academically in the civil and engineering, environmental engineering programs. And as far as a formal definition, as far as I know, there's no single agreed upon definition for what are the core factors associated with IEQ. Um, you can define them narrowly or broadly, depending on your context. From what I've read and what I've experienced over time, commercial, institutional definitions of IEQ are really more focused on air quality and sound. But, you know, your body's sensing a lot more than that. So I think for homes, where we spend most of our time, it's good to uh, expand them. And what's interesting is, you know, I've already spent all this time introducing the topic of IEQ, but it's really not that difficult to grasp, right? Our bodies are a system of sensors, and we keep them immersed in a sea of environmental conditions, right? These signals impact our body physically, they impact our body mentally and emotionally. Unpacking that briefly, clearly what's in the air gets into our lungs, right? That's an example of impacting us physically. The light enters our eyes, the sound goes into our ears. All these things create signals that go into our neocortex, or excuse me, our brain generally, not just our neocortices. And then we have an output that says, me like, me no like, me aug. So, you know, we, we experience certain aspects of our environment through our thinking minds. And that's a, this is a very important point, right? So most of the things that any of you listening could say, I blank, or I like blank, I like ice cream, I like, you know, whatever I like, I don't like. That's your neocortex. That is the part of you that you can access at any time. If I say, quick, tell me what you're feeling right now. Um, a lot of people say, like, I feel that Hillary Clinton will be a good candidate or, you know, that Donald Trump will be a good candidate. And that's not a feeling, that's a thought. So we, we, we mediate so much of our lives with our thoughts that we almost forget that we're feeling creatures. But this emotional side is probably more significant, right? 
because you listening, your clients that you're working toward, what you really want to impact are, are their emotions, right? You want them to say, this is a fantastic house. This is a beautiful house. I love the experience of this house. What does that mean? I feel a certain way, and when I translate that feeling into words, I say, beautiful, comfortable. That's what key view moments are all about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And thermal comfort. And mm-hmm. you know, things that we make crunchy and intellectual are actually aimed at the emotions of our of our clients that are in our spaces. And you know what? Our clients are us in some sense, right? You know, I go to the mall and I think about, you know, there's no dedicated dehumidification. The filtration system is probably horrible. And this is such a key idea. I want to say one part of it again. Even if we don't detect the inputs from our environment consciously, right? They do impact our sense of well-being, and that is a big deal for a lot of us, right? We're not just sending a camera and a budget monster, you know, budget monitoring system through our buildings, right? We're sending sentient beings. So as for a more crunchy definition, uh, the CDC, Center for Disease Control, defines IEQ as quote, the quality of a building's indoor environment in relation to the health and well-being of those who occupy space within it. Health is represented explicitly, and that is huge, right? The overlap of the health sciences and the building sciences, which we will be digging into in this series, is just astounding. It's one of these jaw-dropping moments over and over and over. The more you learn, the more you say, why don't people know this? The more, the more we know what science knows about how the way we build affects our health, negatively affects our health. And positively, to be fair. So the other term in there from the CDC was well-being, right? And that holds a lot, right? This is where good architecture matters, right? Formal and sensory elements matter. We, you know, What I want to do here is make it very, very clear that I get it. Architecture matters. I'm not saying it doesn't. We want someone to say the building is fantastic. We want it to last a long time. That means it has to be well done. What I am saying is that the sensorial input from our bodies also matters, and it's not all based on what we think. First of all, what we think our clients is going to think might be wrong. Second of all, what we think our clients are going to feel when they're in the space might be wrong. But the big one, the elephant in the room here, is that our bodies deliver to our conscious mind something like one fifty thousandth of the data we take in. And that part that we deliver to our neocortice, to our thinking mind, is, is subjective, right? Some people in different cultures will pay attention to different things, right? We've, we've said as very central to IEQ is this concept of the bodies having senses, that our bodies are in the space experiencing the environment with what? With our senses. So let's talk a little bit about senses, right? We know the five main ones, right? Sight, sound, smell, taste, touch. Those are the big ones, right? So. We don't really need to define those, but we probably will over some of the upcoming episodes. So let's go a little bit beyond those, right? So there's there's pressure, there's itching, there's thermoception or thermoreception, heat and cold, right? There's few types of sensors there and a few different places in our body. There's proprioception. That you know, like so right now, stop and scratch your right ear, right? Wait, excuse me, close your eyes and scratch your right ear. How did you know your fingers were near your ear? Proprioception. You know where your body parts are in relation to you, the space around you. There are tension sensors, right? Like, think about Tony Parker making something like on San Antonio Spurs basketball. 90% of his three throws, right? His body, your body, has the ability to sense the tension in a certain muscle. 
So you know how far you're going to throw a ball. So there's pain, which is, I don't know how to pronounce it, but nocioception, something like that. Anyone listening, please help me pronounce that. There's equilibrium. There's many, many senses, right? There's stretch sensors, chemical response sensors, hunger, magnetic field sensors, possibly the sense of time is a sensor. Each one of these has different receptors and different areas in the body where it's processed. But the big thing that you need to take away from all of this is just fundamental to what is a sense, right? And a sense is a system in the body where there's a sensor cell or cell types that respond to something in the environment and send it to a particular group of cells or regions in the brain where it's received and interpreted. And that last one, interpreted, that's a big deal, right? When we say interpreted, what we mean is I feel X and I interpret it as good. Or I feel Y and I interpret it as bad. This is a big deal. All right, well, that's a lot of foundation material. And it's all important in my opinion, but uh, now let's get into IEQ more generally and get on with this introduction. So IEQ, there's six, as I'm defining them for today, six core factors. And they're gonna be thermal comfort, indoor air quality, indoor odor quality, indoor light quality, indoor sound quality, and indoor vibration quality. Okay, one more time in case you're writing it down. Thermal comfort, air, odor, light, sound, and vibration. So it's not as simple as, you know, you've got your vibration sensor in your body and you need to please it, right? As you'll see, we'll, we'll get into it. So let's start with, with thermal comfort. Thermal comfort is the obvious one if someone says, what's the quality of an indoor environment, right? And <laughs> it is actually um, kind of funny in the sense that uh, thermal comfort is made up of several factors, right? There's six of them. There's two personal factors, your metabolic rate and what you're wearing. So that's what you're doing and what you're wearing. Um, or, or you're just your, your resting metabolic rate, how quickly you're burning, how quick, you know, fuel in your body and generating heat. And then there's four core environmental factors, and these are the air temperature, the humidity, the mean radiant temperature, and the airspeed. And we've talked about this on previous podcasts, but what makes me chuckle is two things. One is remembering Robert Bean here in town for the Humid Climate Conference, which was awesome, by the way. First annual Passive House-sponsored Humid Climate Conference here in Austin. So Robert Bean talks about your, your body, well, your skin, as this elegant, sophisticated mesh of thousands, hundreds of thousands of sensors, right, all over your body, sensing the indoor environment. So that's what you have on one side, and that's what you want to please. And on the other side, what you have is a thermostat. One <laughs> thermostat. I mean, hopefully two. Hopefully you have a zoned system and it's VRF, but imagine the typical case, right? One thermostat measuring just one aspect of thermal comfort, which is one aspect of IEQ. And we're saying, oh, we're good. We got your client covered. <laughs> <laughs> we're measuring air temperature. No worries. Right? We're not measuring humidity, mean radiant temperature, air speed. And we're not paying attention to sound, odor, light, vibration. So it's ridiculous, right? See content. Okay, well, that, we'll, we'll call that the introduction to thermal comfort. So the next one's air, air quality, right? This is actually one when I talk about indoor environmental quality, IEQ. People either tell me they haven't heard of it or they, if I ask them what, they, what I think they think it means, they say, oh, it means that I need to be breathing good air. 
So that actually is a big part of good indoor environmental quality, right? So indoor air quality is definitely a big deal. And as you'll find out in coming episodes, we are so lucky that we're just down the road across the river from UT Austin where there's just international rock stars on IAQ. People like Richard Corsi and Carrie Kinney and Dr. Zhu. We're going to be talking to them and we're going to be putting what they have to say out to you. So IAQ stands for Indoor Air Quality and it's mainly focused on the clouds of particulate matter of various sizes classed differently depending on whether we breathe it in and it stays in or if we can filter it out with... Uh, let's leave some of that to the IAQ episode. So basically there's particulate matter and gas phase pollutants and you right now are immersed in them, right? Even if you're outdoors, you're immersed in them. You know, it's not unrealistic to say immersed in the, in the water sense, right? Because air is a fluid, right? It's a compressible fluid and that's why we use uh, fluid dynamics principles when we design air distribution systems. But fluid actually... There's one, one thing I want to add here. It's not in the formal de definition of IEQ, but I like to put indoor water quality right here, right? The quality of the water we drink, Miguel's drinking some right now, Tasty. is very important. And if we want to geek out and try to figure out where to put it, we either put I, IWQ as its own category or we could say air and water are both fluids, but whatever. But we will be talking to someone about the quality of water in, in general, right? Flint, Michigan is a, is a big poster child for that, knowing that it's in a factor, and uh, how to deal with it in our houses. Okay, odor, the next one. This one, it seems so obvious that I almost feel like we don't need to cover it, right? Like, it's basic. Obviously, if where you are stinks. It's it a problem. It stinks. Yeah. You don't want to be there, right? It's hard to feel at ease <laughs> if someone just, you know what. Um, and it can be subtle, too. You know, it's uh, if you've got a mold problem, for example, you're going to smell that. If you've got some kind of chemical imbalance in your house, that's going to slowly start to drive you mad and it has to me in some of my previous Yeah, yeah, especially if you can't figure it out. Yeah. So yeah, our nose is, it's a highly sensitive and sophisticated instrument and it's a very, very powerful force related to our cognitive functioning and our well-being. Cognitive functioning, I was actually told by a biology professor that it, there was a statistically meaningful difference between students who studied in the classroom where they were going to take their exam and those that didn't. And so you betcha late at night I was always studying like in my chemistry lab classroom or something like that. But so odor. Odor is a big deal. Our sense of smell is very closely integrated with brain function, right? Something I could have mentioned in air quality or I can mention it now. When we smell, right, what we're doing is we're taking air molecules with which, you know, we don't smell the air per se. We smell the particulates and the gases in them. We take it up to our olfactory epithelium. And those are neural cells, right? So they're, are they the brain or are they the nose? Or is the nose the brain, right? It's, I guess you could say they're separate, but everything blurs together. So if your nose tells you a space is musty, it is. And there's mold there. And it's mold mycotoxins are almost certainly present. I mean, big picture... You can detect diseases using your nose, or doctors can using their nose. It's been used for centuries, and it's still used today. We're inventing electronic noses. We're using dogs and honeybees to smell explosives. and So indoor odor quality, big, big deal. Light quality, this one's obvious, right? Just think about glare or task lighting. 
I think we all know that, that light is a big deal. We take in so much of our sense of the world through our eyes. And our eyes are actually this adaptive system that it's adapted to respond to the sun, which is broad spectrum lighting. It changes over the course of the day. And there's a long list of problems that people attribute to the fact that we've moved away from that, that type of lighting, right? So, you know, kind of narrowly, you could say ILQ is going to split down into daylighting and electronic lighting, electrical lighting. But, you know, going back broadly, this is a big deal. It affects our body in a big way. And kind of the poster child for it is the fluorescent lighting, right? Is this, is this issue of fluorescent lighting. And it's twofold, right? So fluorescent lighting, it was low first cost, low long-term cost. It's a big deal. Um, fluorescent lights are constantly turning on and off at about 120 hertz, which we don't know. I mean, our eyes, once you get above 100 hertz, our eyes really can't, it means 100 times per second something turning on and off. Our eyes, most people's eyes really can't detect it, right? If a fluorescent light's starting to fail, it's going to start to flicker and you can detect it, right? But it's always flickering and that flickering is not necessarily benign, right? Most folks don't consciously detect it, but many, many people, the majority of people, are sensitive to the impacts of the quality of light. And the downsides of fluorescent lights are eye strain, headaches, migraines, and stress, right? Check that out. Some really bad stuff that you're not even consciously aware is happening, right? And a little tiny aside here. So one more big negative about fluorescent lighting, in my opinion, is it's still rippling out through our society is the compact fluorescent light, right? Early stage CFLs, you know, you what happens? You turn them on, they're dim, you need to wait for them to warm up, the color temperature's not good, you know, you want to be 2,700 to 3,000 Kelvin for soft white, most folks like that. But the worst part is that CFLs struck a nerve with the public and they become like this poster child symbol of the idea that Oh, if you're going to save energy, I have to sacrifice, right? I have to forgo something I want. Any of you or any of your family, anybody you know that has that myth, it is hard to dispel, but try to dispel it. It's false. We can have what we want and save <laughs> the environment and our health. All right, moving on. Sound. Sound is also another huge one for indoor environmental quality. Obviously, sound impacts our mood and our ability to have a sense of ease and well-being, right? Think about your favorite song or calming music or peaceful sounds in nature on one hand. Obviously, that affects you, right? Versus like um, hard rock and Metallica or something blasting 24-7. Michael introduced me recently to this sleep app called Paziz, and man, that guy's voice, and where they have these tones. It's like binaural tones. Binaural. It's very, if you have trouble sleeping, it will change things. Oh, kaboom. Puts me out. I just hear his voice come on now. Now is the time of day <laughs> you've set aside. You're welcome, Pazuz. Yeah, okay, so sound is a big deal, right? And so the, one of the things, like on a just a small level, that, you know, why is it positive energy is so careful using fluid dynamic principles to design air distribution systems, right? It's because I go in people's homes and I go in commercial buildings all the time, and what do I hear? <laughs> Unbelievable. I was in Westlake not too long ago at a big open house, fancy new house, you know, it's a spec home. Beautiful, you know, infinite edge pool, fantastic view. Mechanical equipment from the 1970s, you go in the master bedroom and they got... <laughs> 
stamped face grills. I, I was just like unbelievable, right? Un it's unbelievable. All right, so we're gonna cover vibration and then wrap up and we're almost done, you guys. So vibration is obviously tied into other sensing systems, right? Hearing, that's a vibration. Your vibration in the, so let's say this. Let's say you, you install a mechanical system and it's got a vibration and it communicates to the space two ways. One is it shakes. It shakes the air, that's a low grade hum. You probably perceive that. It probably annoys you. By, by the way, it might be subaudible, and still you would perceive it through your ear and it would be a problem. But it's also shaking the structure and that vibration can propagate along through the structure, right? The perception of touch, of texture, is also related to vibration. We have different types of sensors in our skin and fascia that pick up different frequencies, right? So vibration is a very big deal. From you know, from the perspective of IEQ, right, it's useful to separate out here vibration in the structure, right? We don't want vibration through the structure. We're going to cover the vibration in the air through sound quality, but you know, just it's not as simple as I'm going to put a vibration isolator on. You have to pick the right one for the right weight. You have to attach them to the right structure in the building. We'll get into that. But when not done right, your entire body is literally vibrating because of the space you're in. <laughs> and uh, even though you don't detect it consciously, saying it again, it does affect your body, it does affect your emotions, and it does affect your experience of well-being, and the same for your clients. You know, you've heard me on this podcast just now and on previous podcasts where things frustrate me, right? I have disheartenment for things that I see. And it gets challenging at times to, to not express that frustration, to not... Um, talk about how kooky it is that we allow buildings to be such laggard technologies given the profound impacts on our health. But emotion is good. Believe it or not, I mean, I've been reading a lot about how seatbelts got adopted and how change occurs generally in our society. And I don't know if you know this or not, but you are not Spock. You are not Jaime from Get Smart. You are an emoting system. You're primarily looking to optimize your emotional, your felt sense of life. And what this means is all of you that are architects, builders, developers, you have the ability to influence the outcomes of your projects in very real ways. And I'm not going to be able to affect or change what you, well, what you do by just communicating facts, right? I want to wake you up. I want to educate and advocate for ways of perceiving the built environment so that you start to feel it in your bones like this is not acceptable to me. First cost and visuals are not what it's all about, right? Asthma, sleep apnea, chronic sinusitis. How many people you know are on Claritin? How many of those cases are needless? All right, all right. I still feel like that was a rant, but emotion is good, even if that was a rant. All right, well, good news. We're at the wrap-up here. Or bad news, if you're really loving it. IEQ is central to our experience of being in buildings and homes, right? It's central to our clients' experience of their homes and buildings. Look around you right now. Whether indoors or out, you are a sensorial system and you are immersed in an environment that you probably don't perceive accurately if you're relating to it primarily through your neocortex, right? And it's also true and good to remember that the way we perceive an indoor environment is not necessarily the way our clients perceive an indoor environment, right? Our experience of life is a felt sense. We want it to be good, right? We're sentient, we're receiving stimuli from our environment, and these stimuli are integrated directly into our bodies, our emotions, and our cognitive function, right? So 
I've said all these things. I'm making sure you hear them. This is a big deal. All right, so we're done, right? And IEQ has six core features. Each one of those has many subsets. But what I want to help you understand now, actually, I want to affect your emotions right now, if I can, a little bit. This is just an introductory list. Hopefully, it's clear to you by now that it's at least somewhat absurd that we, as the professionals in the industry responsible for delivering homes and buildings, that we focus so disproportionately on how we think people will think about our space. We need to stop thinking about visual inputs and budgets. Well, excuse me. We don't need to stop thinking about them. We need to put them in the hopper with a whole big slew of other factors that really, really matter, that are currently marginalized. That's wrong. That's inappropriate design. If we did it for our cars and our iPhones, we wouldn't buy them, but we'd still buy houses. Okay, so another way to look at that is please don't leave your client's actual, direct, sensorial experience of your project to wishful thinking and to history, right? To overly narrowed, rowboat-type, backward-looking. <laughs> this is the way we've always done it and it's fine. Wrong, right? We need to pay attention to the upstream and downstream impacts of all our decisions, right? Architecture matters is another very important feature I want you to know here. It matters a lot. So does thermal comfort, so does the quality of the light, the odor, the sound, vibration, right? All of it matters. So, that's it. That's a lot of information across a lot of topics at a lot of different ontological levels, levels of meaning there. There's always more to say. As I like to say, the larger the continent of knowledge, the longer the shoreline of mystery. Right? Introductions are also jumping off points for curiosity, engagement, and learning. And I hope that's where you've gone here. Miguel and I and all of us here at Positive Energy and all of our current and future, thank you, our future sponsors, are really happy to be taking this journey with you in the podcasts ahead. And one more thing from me, um, something I probably don't say enough. Um, it's important that you tell your friends about this podcast. If you like what you hear, and if you didn't, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, subscribe on iTunes, write reviews. As Miguel said, email us, take our survey, help us make this podcast what you want to hear and take it the direction that's meaningful for you. If you want to be interviewed, if you know somebody we should interview. Thanks, guys. Thank see you for you listening. Time. Bye-bye. Don't forget to check out Risinger Homes' fantastic website and see the great work that they do, risingerhomes.com. And also head on over to this episode of the Building Science Podcast on our website at positiveenergy.pro. Just click on the Building Science Podcast tab, and you'll see a survey there. We want to get to know a little bit more about you. We want to know who you are, what you do, and what kind of content you'd like to hear on the show. As always, thanks for listening.